Welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Paul R. Turner, International Director and Co-Founder of Food for Life Global, the largest food relief organization on the planet that is also plant-based. Get started welcoming Paul Rodney Turner of Food for Life Global and the Ohm Guarantee and uh, Juliana's Animal Sanctuary, where you live with your wife and son. So thank you very much for um, agreeing to meet and talk about all the things you're involved with globally. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I've been keeping, I've been very busy. (laughs) I can imagine. I think just the sanctuary alone can keep you guys extremely busy, but it's, it's really inspiring that also all this other work you're doing. Um, I believe I heard about Food for Life Global the first time last year. We talked for the first time, I believe it was spring of last year. So for listeners who don't know about Food for Life Global, I think it'd be great to just lay out what it is, some of the history. Um, In brief, it's the largest food relief charity on the planet, correct? Yeah, it is actually. Um, Well, you know, it goes back, I have a long history with Food for Life. Uh, going way back when I was 19 I became a monk and uh, from the age of 19 to 33 I was actually a monk and I lived initially I joined an ashram in the mountains in New South Wales um, very remote place but our service my first service for you know for for the for the ashram was actually feeding people needy people in Sydney so every day I would I would get on a van and I would go out to a to the local food for life restaurant and we would we would feed people every day so that was my first service to the to the temple and uh, as i be- began to research that whole uh the history of 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 uh hospitality in the indian tradition that i was i was growing up in the spiritual environment uh, i realized that it was an important part of the whole culture with this this spiritual hospitality i call it because it was based not on the traditional physical etiquettes that we're all you know sort of familiar with but it was more about understanding the spiritual quality of all beings so it was very common for say the average well-to-do householder uh in the ancient times in india to just after the wife cooked dinner to go outside and call out is anyone hungry is anyone hungry my wife just cooked dinner if you're hungry please come we'll feed you then only after they'd fed whoever needed a feed uh would would the man sit down and have his dinner so it was quite quite amazing very selfless and that was very common so the idea of seeing the equality of all beings and of course it's a famous quote in the bhagavad gita bhagavad gita is the sort of like the, the bible of hinduism where they say that a wise man sees uh, a dog an elephant a poor man a rich man equally he sees the soul within all of them i'm parallel. as i sort of researched this food hospitality culture more i became very excited about the power of this you know the power of food to transform consciousness 
to really enliven people and and bring people together so you know fast track a few years i ended up starting my own food for life project in australia and then i became the national coordinator as i was starting to train other people and uh, expand projects around australia and then in 1993 so I'm really dating myself. So I, I became a monk in 83. So 10 years later, I, I left Australia uh, to move to the United States to establish the headquarters, which we called Food for Life Global, which is what you, we have today. So Food for Life Global became the coordinating support office for food for life projects around the world. I began traveling then uh, around the world uh, and training volunteers and teaching people how to cook large quantities of food and how to communicate the message of food for life, which is uniting the world uh, through the sharing of pure food prepared with love and, and that sort of thing. So that was an important part of it. It wasn't just about feeding bellies. It was about, it was about um, feeding mind, body, mind and soul and using food as a medium to promote the sense of unity, to bring people together. Because food is the most powerful communicator. It, it brings, it breaks through all, you know, all barriers. And um, so that was sort of the beginnings of Food for Life Global. I ended up traveling for like 70 countries and establishing projects around the world. And now in 2020, we have projects in 60 countries and we have over 200 affiliates and they're serving on average around 2 million vegan meals every day. So it's freshly cooked food too. It's not prepackaged frozen food. It's actually prepared that day and cooked and served uh, directly to the public, uh, mostly children, but we feed all types of people depending on what the need is in the local community. Um, and it's around 2 million meals a day. It's, it's incredible. And so just recently we served the 6 billion meal, 6 billion meals oh. in December last year. <laughs> so it's quite impressive. Um, and you know, we want, I was just going to interject there for a second. It's great that you serve all ages, but I wasn't aware that it's also mostly children. Mostly children because our biggest programs are in India and we have, uh, we've joined a government initiative called the Midday Meal Program, which was started around 20 years ago. And the Indian government decided that they wanted as many children as possible to come to school, you know, to get education. And they thought the best way to get kids to school is to provide a free lunch for them. So they basically put a call out to the nonprofit sector and says, hey, who would like to help us, you know, deliver on this? Uh, project. We will provide the, the raw materials, the grains, the vegetables and so on. We need experts to cook food and prepare lunches for the children. So Food for Life, our Food for Life affiliates in India were one of those uh, charities that put their hand up and says, yes, we'll, we'll actually help you. So obviously we scaled that and now we have, essentially we have like super kitchens in India with high pressure cookers, uh, you know, chapati making machines. You know what a chapati is? It's like an Indian bread, pocket bread. So we'll have a machine that will literally generate, will pump out something like 10,000 chapatis an hour. So wow. you put flour in one end <laughs> and water. It will, you know, you'll you put the, you'll make the dough and then it'll, it'll actually pump, 
pump out 10,000 chapatis an hour. Incredible. So we have these very efficient super kitchens. 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have these very efficient super kitchens that can cook, um, you know, 700 kilograms of rice in like 15 minutes um, and all sorts of things. And, and we have a, you know, a very diverse uh, menu as well. So we, you know, we cater according to the local taste, but it's always vegan and uh, it's always freshly prepared and organic and very clean and you know, very high standards. And so that's where our most efficient programs are. And so primarily in India, we're serving school children. We have a few programs that serve poor villages and such, but for the most part, it's, it's uh, lunch programs at schools. And these schools are identified by the government. So they, they are made up of children from poor families. And in some cases, they're from the slums, you know, and then the, normally these children would be, um, you know, staying at home and working in child labor. But because we're providing a freshly cooked lunch, the parents are, you know, so it's a, it's a wonderful program, very effective. That's wonderful. Uh, but, we've, but we feed all types of people. It just depends on the local need. Yeah. Exactly. But it's, it's amazing to hear that it reaches so many children in need. Yeah. And also the, I mean, the vegan aspect also, when I, when I heard about that, it's the largest food relief uh, program on the planet and it's plant-based and vegan. Yeah, yeah, well, let's, and we found that, um, well, there's a few reasons why, because obviously we can feed more people for less money on a plant-based diet. Um, Senate, uh, even, you know, it is more practical as well, because if you're including dairy and meat, there's, there's more chances for the food to be contaminated um, and so on. So we, we can avoid that problem. So it's more cost efficient. It's healthier for for people. Um, and it's more in line with, you know, our mission, which is creating this sense of unity, using food as a, as a way to promote unity and spiritual equality among all beings. And of course, if we were serving meat and dairy, then that would sort of go against, uh, you know, the, the principle of what we were representing. Right. We don't want to promote Exactly. It's cutting out a little bit there, but you don't want to promote. So yes, of course, the plant-based mission, it's, it's, um, it's amazing that it hits several dimensions, the cost efficiency, health, and, and of course, the spiritual aspect too. So, and so moving from that into, um, I will include links, maybe we can mention all the links at the end, but that, that is, uh, if people want to read more about that at ffl.org. And of course, you've got all the socials, the social media, but you also just launched the OM Guarantee pretty recently? Yeah, so the OM Guarantee was born out of um, a need to help, you know, find a creative way to support Food for Life's work because it's amazing what the volunteers do. You know, we feed so many people every single day and uh, we wanted to empower that and provide a way for companies to get behind that and also get some practical benefit. So we actually started an, a, a new company, a social enterprise called Feedom. And Feedom 
is selling what's called the OM guarantee, OM guarantee. And the OM guarantee is a certification. It's a sponsorship opportunity, basically. It's a way for companies to prove their um, social responsibility so that they can actually be certified for giving back to the community in a measurable way. So the OM guarantee stands for, OM stands for output measurable. So output measurable guarantee. So what we've found is that in the cause marketing space where companies, you know, align their product or service with a charitable, with charitable giving, they'll say, you know, we want to give 1% to save the rainforest or something. No one's really measuring that. There's no one really measuring the actual output. So they, they may give 1% or whatever that number is, but who's actually measuring what the output is? You know, did the, did, did, did trees get, uh, you know, planted? Did, you know, did the rainforest really get saved or did the money go to, uh, you know, wages for the executives of that charity? So what we're proposing here is that we want to guarantee a social output. So when you buy an OM guarantee, which is just 25 cents, we guarantee to provide a fresh liquid vegan meal to a needy child in your name. So your company gets the benefit of that. You can actually present that to your customers and say, we actually have delivered X number of meals to needy children around the world. And we are certified. This is the OM guarantee, the output measurable guarantee. So it's really beautiful. And it, um, you know, it can enhance the integrity of a brand. And what I found is, and I, I actually came across a wonderful article today, just some research today um, from Mintel, the press office. And they said, they, they actually mentioned here that um, a company's charitable giving affects three quarters of Americans' purchase decisions, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. Like most people today are really concerned about how companies are giving back to the community. And in fact, particularly the younger generation, uh, the, the iGen. Um, so there's another bit of information here. They say that um, half, 50% of Americans say that they would switch to a company that supports a cause they believe in, rising to 61% for iGens. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Most people, you know, they're, they're concerned about how a company's actually contributing back to the community. Um, and what we're proposing with the OM guarantee is that we want to certify that. We want to guarantee that that there's really an output happening. So a company can purchase as many OM guarantees as they want, really. It just depends on their budget. They can either align it with one particular product or service, or they can buy them in bulk and attribute them across their entire brand. It's up to them. Right, so this is a program. So it's a new service and we're finding, sorry. It's a, it's a, it's a brand. Go ahead. Going. Uh, it's a it's a brand new service we've only just recently launched it and we're signing up companies now and it's free membership so companies can sign up for free and then they can decide how they you know how many on guarantees they want to uh, purchase or if they want to attribute a particular number to a product or service the only uh, criteria is it has to be a, a socially responsible company and depending on the sector uh, they have to meet certain standards. So for example, in the food sector, it has to be a vegan food. Um, if it's a clothing sector, we, don't, we would not endorse or on guarantee uh, 
animal products, like leather products, things like that. So it has to meet our standards of integrity. And then if they do, then they have, they can, you know, they have the opportunity to on guarantee their product or service. And so any level of company can do this. For example, I'm a photographer also. So even a small time freelancer can do this up till, you know, franchises and exactly. chains. Okay. There's um, no limit. So in your case, for example, obviously some companies, the on guarantee works better for better for them than other companies. Um, just de depending on the nature of the service or the product. But in yours, for example, uh, you could say that if you purchase my phot photography package, you know, whatever that package is, we will guarantee to feed 100 children or, or, or 10 children or something like that, a, a freshly cooked vegan meal. 10 times 25 cents is $2.50. So you, as a company, would just need to you would just need, need to allocate $2.50 of your profits to the OM guarantee. And right. you can guarantee to your customers that you do business with me, we'll feed 10 children or we'll, we'll feed 25, uh, 100 children, which is $25. It's, it's beautiful. It's extremely beautiful. And I think it's fascinating what you read today that consumers are so motivated by this, but it also makes sense um, because when you're looking at your you know, purchase, um, purchase motivations, to the idea that you can contribute to something influential and good through purchasing. I mean, there's purchase power too. And um, if, if everybody can get involved in all this, so that's great to hear the numbers are so high actually from the report you read this morning. Well, and that's the thing is that most consumers today, according to the, you know, the latest research, most consumers will, will choose a company that's, that actually is giving back to the community. They'll, they'll choose a brand that's giving back to the community over another brand. Exactly. So it really is, it really is a, you know, a, a major de deciding factor with consumers. Um, have you had, an, are there any examples of companies that are own guaranteed that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. So we have quite a few now. Uh, we've literally just started. So it's, you know. Was there a taqueria? Uh, uh, yeah, there's a company called Sugar Taco in uh, California. It's a vegan uh, Mexican restaurant. Okay. And they, you know, they, they, they're one of our first customers. So they basically, they on guaranteed their children's menu. So when you purchased, when you purchase tacos on the children's menu, then we'll, you'll also feed a child through the on guarantee program. That's so wonderful. And there's also another very wonderful company called Pure Bliss Organics, which is a vegan snack company. Um, and they're, they're on guaranteeing their snack foods. And then there's, um, coconut whisk, which is a gluten-free, uh, coconut-based, you know, uh, baking company. So they they have these prepackaged baking packages, uh, where you know just add water, add milk, whatever, and you can make your your vegan cakes and so on. And uh, they're also on guaranteed, and they've actually chosen two of the outputs. And I didn't mention that earlier that with the on guarantee, there are three social outputs we are offering. Feeding needy children, feeding rescued animals, and planting trees. So, depending on your product or service, maybe one of those would be more in line with the sort of, you know, the the, the mission of, of the company. You you know, depending on the product or service. So, you can choose to feed a rescued animal, and we'll we'll basically deliver that on guarantee through 
our charity partners, in this case, it would be animal sanctuaries. And if it's planting trees, we'll work with our tree planting charity partners, provide them the funds to actually plant the tree and guarantee that that tree actually got planted or through our food relief partner, which is Food for Life Global, to make sure that a child is fed. So you can choose one of the three outputs. I know you just launched, but is there is there a bit of press on this that people can look up and read about? Or are you starting to generate press now? Uh, we're just starting now. To, we, we need some more and press releases now. So hopefully soon we'll get some press. This is very early days. Oh, good, good. That'll be exciting. I look forward to seeing this. Um, so, you know, uh, if I'm not, we will also include links for all of that with the, when we publish the podcast. I would okay. love to talk about your life now, where you are with your family. But before moving to that, um, I knew you were Australian. So you're from uh, NSW, New South Wales. You're from New South yes. Wales. So uh, as an Australian, we, I mean, I feel it would be a, um, a myth to not mention the situation right now and I know you and I have some, had some dialogue about about what's going on about um, media and digesting the media about what's going on with the bushfires right now so um, yeah I would value uh, as an Australian and somebody who's very dialed into media just your thoughts on that well as you know it's like it's we're in, in an age of information overload and there's a lot of disinformation as well and it's, and it's hard to digest in this in a sort of process you know what is right what is wrong what is a bit deceptive uh what is the agenda for you know particular narrative and so on it's really hard to filter through it to be honest with you even for the most astute uh media savvy you know journalist it's like or, or researcher so uh, what I from my perspective yes there is there are many factors involved in you know why this there are fires obviously arson is one of them there's, there are people that have actually just lit the fires and that's that's provable but I mean at least in New South Wales 24 people were arrested I think quite a lot of people like over 100 150 180 people were actually at least called out for their um, negligence, but at least 24 people, which is pretty significant, that's a lot of people, um, were actually arrested for arson. And that's just in New South Wales. And of course, the fires are all across, this, you know, all across Australia. Um, so there's that factor. Then there's the fact that there's a corrupt government um, who basically just selling out Australia to overseas investors, the Chinese and, and so on, uh, including the water. Uh, and what's happening there is, and I, I watched a, a documentary recently where they're, they're basically dammed up certain waters and just selling it off. And where normally where the water would flow through, you know, certain areas of the state, it's now not flowing because they've dammed it up. It's ridiculous. So they're, they're intervening and, and uh, you know, messing, disrupting the natural flow of things. So a lot of the droughts are because, not because of climate change, but because of the government uh, uh, messing with nature and stopping the natural flow of things. And so that's, you know, that's, that has all the farmers up on arms and, and uh, they're, they're very, very upset about that. So there's that factor. Then there's, um, 
the fact that um, there's weather manipulation uh, that's 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 provable that the government uh, the US government in particular but a, you know, a lot of people are aware of um, what do you call it when they spray the skies uh, chemical Right. It's, is it seeding or I can't remember this? It's called, yeah, seeding, but uh, like chems, uh, chemtrails. Right. Chemtrails is a real thing. So what they do is, you know, there was one theory, oh, they're doing it to like, you know, um, dumb down the population. No, 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 it's not like that. <laughs> There's a lot basically, of yeah. It's silly. The, basically what they're doing is they're, they're spraying, uh, metallic substances so they can ionize the atmosphere which they can then use uh, various technologies like harp harp is a um, I don't know if you've heard, ever seen harp, ever researched harp but it's H-A-A-R-P where they have these um, satellite farms uh, sorry towers of 180 uh, electrical towers working together to create these um, electromagnetic beams which they shoot into the atmosphere and then with these ionized particles in, in the clouds they're able to like direct that energy back down to earth in very specific places where they can cause all sorts of damage to the earth and also uh, manipulate the, the clouds and uh, weather patterns and move cyclones and all sorts of things i mean they actually have this technology uh, it's called weather weapons, and so it's it's you know it started off as oh we'll we'll develop this technology to uh, you know to ease the burden of certain parts of the world, but then the uh, the military uh, nefarious minds of the world uh, realize well this is an opportunity to create something which we can you know militarize we can actually use this to, for our benefit. So there's that as well, where you have harp technology messing with the, the natural weather patterns. Essentially what's happening here is it, it's, when people talk about climate change and the influence of humans, yes, um, people's uh, activities are definitely affecting the climate. More so they're affecting the environment itself, but the, the, but the actual climate is being, is being changed by industry, uh, militarized weapons like harp which is changing the weather, weather patterns and then corrupt governments which are you know changing the natural flow of water and that sort of thing and all of these factors you know are leading to um, chaotic situations like the bushfires um, it's not a simple story it's not like that it's just because of um, the coal miners or something like that I mean it's it's not so simple there's many many factors why you know there are bushfires it's it's very complicated um but also in terms of uh moving past this well first of all do you have any hope for leadership there that that a shift in leadership in the future that could have a different approach a more beneficial approach i'm really you know looking from afar and watching australian politics all i'm seeing is that it doesn't matter what government comes into power, they're all compromised. You know, no one's actually legitimate or, 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 or being honest. You know, they're all being compromised and, and sort of controlled by corporate interest. 
And Scott Morrison's just the latest example of that. I mean, before him, Turnbull, before him, you know, whoever it was, um, every one of them. It's, it's unbelievable. So in terms of like hope, I think the only hope is, is that the people have to really get off their butts and, and start, you know, demanding change because you see this in other countries, like in France, uh, massive um, protests uh, where they're, you know, they're really pushing the government to make changes, but you don't really see that in Australia for some reason. I don't know why people have become very lethargic. You see it on a small scale, but not on a massive scale. And we really need some, you know, the, the people to get the numbers together and really put pressure on the government to, you know, to make changes and to stop selling off Australia, essentially. I mean, I've seen memes on, on uh, social media where they have a picture of Australia and then it has the, it has the title South China. <laughs> because Australia is like South China. It's, cra it's crazy, but it's, it's pretty close to the truth. Right. Um, in terms of the damage being done now, I mean, I think anybody who looks at media even occasionally is seeing also the effect, of course, on humans, but it's a, the drastic, cataclysmic, really, effect on habitats, um, species, animals. So what are your thoughts also moving forward on this, the impact on ecosystems there? Well, yeah, I mean, first thing to understand is that the earth is very, very powerful. You know, often people think about the earth as like just a ball, you know, that we happen to live on and it's spinning through space. Um, but it's a very powerful living thing, living organism, very, very powerful. And it can, it can heal itself. It has the powers to heal just like we have the powers to heal, right? If we get sick, the body is perfectly designed to heal itself if we give it the opportunity. Um, and the problem is, is when we interfere with that natural um, system by using pharmaceuticals and all sorts of things and living eating food which is not natural, eating like processed foods, and we're not actually helping the body, we're stopping the body's natural processes. So it's the same with the earth. The earth has the power to heal itself um, if we give it the opportunity. And even I saw some reports where in some parts of the country where it was really heavily burnt, the forests are starting to regenerate again, or, or you know, right away. Yeah, yeah, it's already starting to regenerate. So you have to first understand that the power of, you know, the power of the earth itself, it's a super powerful living thing and it can, it can heal itself if we give it the opportunity. The problem is men and, you know, and women uh, with uh, devious, you know, agendas get in the way. If we get those people out the way and allow nature to do its thing, it's, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Of course, we can't bring back, you know, the lives of the animals, which have been, you know, lost in this bushfire. That's a really sad thing. Um, and of course, the only thing we can draw from that is that hopefully people learn from this and they, and they make, you know, drastic changes in their life. There's drastic policy changes, drastic changes in attitude and respect for nature and so on. And hopefully that, that can come from this. Uh, and I expect it will. That's what I've seen in other parts of the world where there's been natural, you know, very big disasters. Like, for example, the tsunami in 2005, the big Asian tsunami. A tremendous 
you know, change in shift in consciousness after that event. Same thing with 9-11. Uh, there was a tremendous shift in consciousness. People all came together. They, they dropped all their politics and the divisive, you know, uh, mentality. And they just, let's all get together. We're all Americans. And then unfortunately, the government uh, destroyed all that, you know, messed with that and, and, and again divided the people. But at, at least for the initial response you know at least for the first six months people were so united after that that's true so you know so these things can can lead to you know growth and 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 unity if we allow it if we allow the nature to, to do its thing and that's that is probably happening up not probably that is happening on the ground um yeah in australia out of need communities simply have to. to survive you have to come together you can't always rely on the government the government is not always there it's going to come from the community from grassroots efforts exactly. to help your neighbor um but and, and uh, that's a and that's the thing is that the government is working for us the government are our servants yeah they should that's be people, that's the concept the have, well that but the people have become and it's like a slave mentality you sort of develop you train from the beginning of your life to like just abide by the rules and just listen and don't question and that sort of thing you know it all gets back to the education system and this is also part of the problem too because we're you know we're sort of training people to be robots to be slaves to the system you know not to uh, explore their individuality the uniqueness in the world and how they can contribute in a unique way it's like no you have to just go down this path these are your paths a b or c choose one of them that sort of thing um and so if we just allow, you know, people to be themselves, empower people, give people this understanding that they're a spiritual being, that, you know, they're a powerful spiritual being. This is one of the things I talk about in one of the books I wrote recently uh, called Soul Power, where I, I, I explain how, you know, we all have power. We're all very, very powerful uh, individuals. But because we're identified with the physical body, we feel disempowered and you know the way that the modern system works these days is is to brainwash people you're simply a body you're an australian you're an american you're this you're that you know you're and, and to lock people down to imprison people in this physical consciousness so that they don't realize that you know they're in a power and so if people just, you know, can tap into that and these events sort of can bring that out because it, it, it helps to remove, you know, you sort of detach yourself from all of these externals and you just get back to the core essence that, Hey, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my neighbor, you're a human being, you're an Aussie, whatever, whatever it takes to like, to get that connection. And if people realize that the government is simply put in place to serve them, you know, that, 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 that's all it is. Um, then hopefully you know, there can be a better future for Australia. Well, I like that a lot. It's a, it, while you were talking there, I was just thinking of um, sort of the event of, of waking up. Uh, many of us have those events in life as we grow and, and move through life where we sort of wake up to a purpose or to a realization or to, you know, some sort of ethical new thing or spirituality. 
And you really are, you and your family are living embodiment of that with the work you do. And also um, you live on a sanctuary. So your entire way of relating to your local environment, your home, your home is a sanctuary. You live with your beautiful wife, Juliana, and your son on, um, I thought we could close on talking about where you are now in South America and the sanctuary. Yeah, so I met Juliana um, in 2013 when I was traveling around the world promoting my book, Food Yoga. Food Yoga is like a, uh, an extension of Food for Life, teaching people about the, 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 the philosophy of Food for Life, essentially, nourishing body, body mind, and soul. So we met, and then I decided to stay in Colombia, and now we're based here in the Andes Mountains with 3,000 meters above sea level. Uh, very high up, but the air is very fresh and uh, beautiful weather. It's on average 22 degrees all year round. So it's like perfect, uh, perfect temperature. And uh, we live with 130 animals who are all rescued. They all have their story and we respect them and we care for them and people come and visit and they, they can connect with animals. So the interesting thing is that the Food for Life program's main mission is uniting the world through pure food right and juliana's uh, mission is the same thing but using animals her her promote her mission is uh, promoting equality of all beings so respecting all animals because as you know as we all know most people they'll have a pet at home a cat or a dog and they say oh we love animals we love animals but then they'll eat a chicken or they'll eat a steak and they don't make that connection yeah. so what we're trying to teach at the sanctuary is that all living beings deserve respect and there's no difference between a dog, a cat, a camel, a, a kangaroo, a koala, uh, a cow. They're all the same. They just have a different physical form. But essentially, they're all the same. They all have a personality. They have a consciousness. They have their feelings. They have emotions and so on. So we live here. It's a beautiful environment. Uh, it's a great place for my son to grow up. So right from the beginning of his age, he's learning to respect all animals. Animals are like his brothers and sisters. And uh, it's a very wonderful project and it's a lovely place to live. And it's sort of, as you, as you say, it's, it's very much in line with our, our core mission, you know? So I'm very happy to be here. It's really incredible. I love following the, <clears throat> I love following the sanctuary media as well. It's, um, you can really feel the energy and the, uh, the commitment. I mean, I follow your wife's media too and her, her commitment and her passion, it's just, it's, it's really contagious. Everything you all are doing, it's, it's very, um, she's very, she's a very committed and very hard worker. I'm amazed. She's nonstop working, right. nonstop. She loves the animals. And um, so for people that want to know, it's Juliana's Animal Sanctuary. The social media is Juliana's Animal Sanctuary. And the social media for Food for Life is Food for Life Global. Right. And I will, um, when I publish, I'll also include text links so people can follow that, as well as to Om Guarantee. Does Om Guarantee have its own socials now, too? Om, gar Om Guarantee. Om so Guarantee. OM Guarantee. Okay. <laughs> I will add all Sounds of those. Cool. Um, and this was a pleasure to hear about uh, all that we could have talked. Really, I have so many things more I could be talking about with you, but we'll keep this. Um, uh, at this length right now, maybe touch base again in the future to get updates sure. about everything. That would be really wonderful. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, and we can share more about um, some of the books I'm, I've written, uh, which touch on a lot of these things. 
Yes, exactly. I look, I've been taking notes the whole time and I wrote down a few of your books. I, I knew you're an author, but I think it'd be great to yeah, touch base again and um, talk more about your books. That would be wonderful. And maybe I won't have so much of an echo next time as well. <laughs> Actually, I would love to interview you while you're, if, if you have connectivity anywhere outside and hear the animals. Actually, I can, I can just, before you go, I'm going to just quickly give you a tour. Okay. Can you still hear me? I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. Let me see here. I go out here. So we're outside here. Okay. So you can see. Oh, it's beautiful. So there's some bulls there. There's some rabbits down here. Mm-hmm. And some cows out the back there. And you can see the mountains. We're 3,000 meters above sea level. Wow. And there's a horse there, and there's my son's toys on the ground. <laughs> but you can see lovely property. It's beautiful. Look at what a gorgeous day, too. Oh, it's lovely. It's been like this for months. We just get, it's perfect weather. It's like literally 23, 22 degrees. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very nice. Well, thank you for your time today, Paul, and we will be in touch until next time. All right, take care. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Hello to your family. I will. Take care. This is Annika, and thank you for listening to the Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Visit us online at pacificrootsmagazine.com.